0: You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everybody. Happy late summer, early, dare I say, fall. It has been a really exciting summer for me. I did something I haven't done in years, which is pretty much just checked out. I went on lots of trips, I had lots of fun adventures, I had my share of beach time and cocktails and family fun and friend fun, and I truly feel fairly recharged. I also feel a little out of work mode, as some of you might too, so getting back in the groove of the daily emails, of the weekly Facebook Lives, the weekly podcasting, has definitely felt like work. But I'm excited to be back. I am gearing up for our busy season. Now is the time when things just take off, when tons of questions come in, when the phones are ringing off the hook because people are starting to think about that holiday decorating. Be it Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, everybody is calling and wanting to know how to make their home look nicer for both entertaining, but also now that it's colder, we're spending a lot of time indoors. So if there are problems with your home, if there are things you don't like about your house, now you're going to be looking at those things all the time. So people call in urgent situations, really needing to get changes made quickly so that they don't feel so disconnected when they're at home well you guys have been sending in your lovely questions while i've been away and i cannot wait to dive in so here we go my first question this week came from christina and christina asked me a very fun question she wrote betsy if you renovated your home recently or even if you haven't What would be on the top of your wish list? Would it be a mudroom? Would it be a better kitchen or maybe even extra storage? Thanks, Christina. And the answer that I have would be different than the answer that most of my clients have. So if most of my clients were creating a dream list of what they would want to do if they were renovating their space, I think the majority of my city clients would say that they want to redo their closets. They need to maximize the storage space. They want to be able to hang their clothes and be able to see them nicely. They want to be able to maybe have all their clothes and shoes in one area rather than having a separate armoire or a separate dresser. So maximizing that closet space is typically the number one thing I hear my clients repeating over and over. Also, it's one of the things that I do definitely advise that they do if they want to get better resale value, because a maximized closet is going to appeal to everyone in an urban living environment. There are just storage needs that can't be tackled in any way other than a strategic way. And so maximizing those closets, whether it's a DIY home system, like a lot of my clients um, use a place called Creative Closets, or it's... Oh, Anyway, Google DIY custom closet system because basically you send in your measurements and you can work with someone online. They'll trick everything out for you, send you all the pieces, send you a map of where it goes, and then you work with a handyman or you do it by yourself to actually install it. Of course, you could use a more expensive company like California Closets, which may be a really good brand to show for resale, but it is lots. And lots more expensive. So it's really up to you. But that custom closet is going to give you your value back. Additionally, custom closets don't tend to get destroyed. Like, say, floors tend to get scratched. And so you'd have to restain them if you were doing resale. Or... Um, You know, bathrooms tend to get outdated in terms of tile selection, so you might have to redo that after seven years. But a closet doesn't get a ton of wear and tear generally, so whatever improvements you make in there will potentially have more longevity, so that's exciting too. But personally, I am not a clothes horse. For those of you who are big fans of my Facebook Live event or my podcast, you know that if I could, I would wear the same thing every single day. I would love nothing more than a uniform. And clothing, new outfits, lots of shoes, it just doesn't inspire me at all. Now lots of pillows, that's another thing. But uh, closets would not be something that is of personal value to me. I would rather have a big tub. So in all the places I've lived, I've always had like a modest size tub and I've never really used it that much. But when I went to London to design that space for one of our clients, and she had me staying at her space while we were totally revamping it. Of course, it was in a very posh part of London in Chelsea, and it had the most gigantic tub. And every night after I would work and work, and I'd be sore, and I would have been at all these shops and lugging the bags on the double-decker buses, well, I would get home to that delicious tub, and I would fill it as high as it could go practically, and soak my weary bones. And it was so rejuvenating. It was amazing. So personally, I would love to have a spa tub. Ever since that week when I was in London, I have been thinking about it nonstop. It was such an amazing experience to be able to fully check out, get into some bubbles and Epsom salts, put on my favorite podcast, and just float away. And I tried it in my home tub, which is just a standard size, and the experience was vastly different. So those big soaker tubs are really worth it for me. But I'm so surprised I design a lot of places in the suburbs now as well. And so a lot of those places already have soaker tubs and i went to this amazing house in greenwich last week i mean it's worth over five million dollars it has i can't remember like eight bathrooms or something it was an amazing house and as we were taking the tour they showed me this tub that was wow and i think i would just spend hours regularly in that amazing tub and they were like oh this is never going to get used and a lot of my clients want to remove their tubs for a larger shower so i'm really surprised but i don't think that my answer of the tub would be an answer that many of my clients would affirm so just something to think about but since you were asking for me christina i want a big tub Now, my next question comes from Minneapolis, a town that is near and dear to my heart because I went to college in St. Paul, which is the sister city, the twin city of Minneapolis, but I spent so many days and nights. In fact, I lived in Minneapolis and would just commute to St. Paul because St. Paul is definitely the more boring of the two twin sisters. Um, So I worked as a bartender in Minneapolis. I loved the lakes. I love everything about Minneapolis except for the snow, which is why I don't live there right now. All right. But Caitlin, you're tolerating the snow a lot better than I did, and so let me answer your question. Hi, Betsy. I love your podcast and weekly Facebook videos. I recently bought and moved into my first house, which did not come with any window treatments on the 12 windows on the first floor. The first floor has a semi-open floor plan where the windows in the other rooms are clearly visible from the adjoining areas. However, the window shapes, sizes, and trim vary. Some have dark wood trim and others have painted white trim. How do I mix and match window coverings that have some variation from room to room but still maintain a cohesive look? Thanks, Caitlin. And along with her email, Caitlin sent me an amazing video tour so that I could really get a sense of these different shaped windows and also the different trim colors. So first of all, congrats on having a lovely house in one of my favorite cities. Now I did see your conundrum. Now a big part of having window treatments is having walls around the windows because your window trim, Caitlin, abuts the corners in certain areas or gets very close to door frames, to edges, and so you won't have room to do a bracket. Now, those of you who've read my book, those of you who are avid fans of my work, know that a fully dressed window has two things. A fully dressed window has blinds and it has drapes you don't actually manipulate the drapes. That means you don't open and close the drapes. They're just there for color, texture, pattern, softness. You actually manipulate, meaning open and close, the blinds. In your case, not every window needs to be fully dressed. It's just like a foot. So sometimes you can wear socks and shoes, and sometimes it's appropriate to just wear shoes. Sometimes it's appropriate to just wear socks, but a fully dressed foot has shoes and socks. So in your case, some of your windows are going to need just socks, blinds, and some of your windows are going to need socks and shoes. The places where you just need those blinds are the places where you do not have room on either side to hang a bracket. I never, ever, ever drill into the molding, so that beautiful, craftsman-style, chunky trim that you have around every window, I would never drill into the face of that. It ruins the integrity of the trim and also makes the window look smaller than it really is. I always hang that bracket for that rod outside the trim, typically three to six inches outside the trim. So some of your windows are going to be great candidates for blinds only because you don't have room for that bracket. However, in those spaces like your living room, or I think I saw in your dining room, you have plenty of wall space on either side of that window trim. So that would be a great candidate for the drapes. Additionally, when you're thinking about do I need blinds and drapes on each window, I like to think about the era of the home. I don't remember reading in the details, but I do think that you own an older home that is a legit craftsman style, maybe from the early 1900s, and so an older style home does need that nice touch of a drape where it can accommodate it, because that's what would have been in fashion in the era that it was created. However, a more modern space, like a converted loft, or um, a new apartment building, or a very modern space, even like a mid-century modern space, could be just fine with blinds in terms of that would be a more intrinsic choice that is in alignment with the style of the space. So that's another thing to ask yourself when you're deciding blinds, drapes, or blinds and drapes. In your case, what I'm gonna recommend is I'm gonna recommend that you put blinds on all the windows downstairs. Now, there are some more nuances that go into window treatments, but I think based on what I saw of your windows, it'd be very easy to put blinds in all those downstairs windows. So that way they're very cohesive. And I love to get wood slatted blinds at places like Home Depot, JCPenney, Bed Bath and Beyond. They have quality wood slatted blinds, which would really work well with the era of your home. Also, it would help you diffuse the light and they can be cut to size. So I'd recommend wood slatted blinds, and then in those places where you can accommodate those drapes, I would add them over top the blinds, making sure not to manipulate the drapes. So there we go. Now I did see upstairs that the window trim has been painted white. And in that case, if you were going with a wood-toned blind downstairs, I would probably switch it and go with a white-toned blind upstairs just so that the blinds aren't so contrasting with the molding and just so they don't stick out like a sore thumb, especially in those places where you're going to be overlaying the drapes and you want the blinds to somewhat visually recede into the background. So, Caitlin, I hope that helped. Thanks for the video tour. Take a spin in your Schwinn around Lake Hennepin for me. I just made that up on the spot, guys. Poetry on the spot. So before we continue to our next segment, let's cut for a commercial break. Then I have even more questions. Are you loving the Big Design Small Budget podcast? Are you looking for a way to get even more content and to support us as we grow? Well, look no further. You can become a premium member at BigDesignSmallBudget.com. For $3.99 a month, you can get access to our entire archive of over 100 episodes get access to all that amazing design knowledge insider info additionally get a weekly bonus episode that is exclusive to our premium members Again, you can become a member and support this show at BigDesignSmallBudget.com. That's under $4 a month. Or if you'd prefer an annual membership, you can get 12 months of amazing additional content and all those archives for only $39.99 a year. Thank you so much for your support, for being a big fan, and we hope to see you on our VIP platform. So before I move on to my next question, I wanted to let you know a couple of exciting things. This week, we are featured in HGTV.com's um, series, Styling Your Studio Apartment. So head over to HGTV.com, and you'll see my top tips for studio living. As somebody who's lived in roughly nine studios over the course of my life. One of them as small as 50 square feet, others as large as 250 square feet. Uh, You won't wanna miss my tips. They are born out of many years of designing for clients and living in these super small spaces. Another place we were featured this month is Westchester Magazine. We are in their fall issue, giving our top must-haves for fall. There's only four things you need. To have a cozy warm inviting space this season and i've shared them all with westchester magazine so go to those places check us out and you can also find links to those articles on our facebook page at affordable interior design all right my next question has come from rob rob writes betsy i own a small startup and we want to decorate our office so it's functional but also impressive to potential investors how should we start So, Rob, I'm going over time. Normally, this is a 15-minute experience, but I'm going over time to answer your question because I am so inspired by it. Lately, we have been getting lots and lots of inquiries from small businesses like yours. Yours may not be small for long, considering it's a startup that's coveting investors. But a lot of people have been reaching out because they don't want to just work in a generic co-working space. Nor do they want to have an empty office, but designing really isn't their forte. And it's very easy to have an office that is both functional and beautiful. But one of the most important things, I think, is that it should also reflect your brand. So I want you to think about your firm's branding, Rob. I want you to go to the website. I want you to look at the font. I want you to look at the logo colors. I want you to look at your target market in terms of who is coming into the space who are you trying to appeal to both with the website And maybe it's different with your space. For instance, if you're trying to get one sort of client for the website, but you're only seeing investors in your office space, well, then you might want to shift the look of your office space slightly, but still you want it to feel very on brand so that somebody who's working with you or thinking about partnering with you has a clear vision of your mission. So I would recommend starting with that branding. Whenever I work with a client, like a small business or startup, I have them fill out a questionnaire and I ask them lots of questions about that target avatar that they're trying to reach, but also who's coming into the office on a day-to-day basis. The other thing that you want to think about besides branding and visitors is how much traffic are you really going to get? If you're going to have a lot of people in day in, day out, then you're going to want some fabrics that are performance fabrics that are, of course, reflecting the colors of your brand. You're also going to want rugs that are low pile and won't absorb all that stuff from people's shoes. The other thing that I think is really important to think about is the workspace. How much workspace do you need? I think a minimum is if you have every one of your employees go like this. So it's my chicken test, which I use for a couple of different things, but I love it for workspace because it not only covers the area that it would take for a laptop or a screen, but also it helps to incorporate the area where I might be writing a note or having some notebooks or having my cell phone within arm's reach. So that's generally about 30 to 36 inches, which is a minimum for each person's workspace because in a lot of the startups that we've been designing for recently, rather than having individual desks, they want more of that long team style, conference style table where there aren't really those defined boundaries of the end of a desk or the partition of a cubicle, and it's more of a team environment. And that's the other thing you want to think about is the company culture. So, do you expect people to work here overtime? In a startup world, sometimes they're working around the clock. If so, you want them to be comfortable. You want them to have different zones where they can move throughout the day. Rather than staying at that long style table for 10 hours, you want maybe there to be a small seating area where they could go and put their feet up and lounge on a sofa and have some different thoughts or bring their laptop. Maybe you want to have a different area in terms of privacy for a phone call. So these are all things to think about. Um, and they're things, I know it sounds like a lot, but they're things that I like to all kind of get down on paper from the start. Because you ask me, where do we start? And I think kind of mapping out all the answers to those different questions will give you an idea of what you're going to need in the space, And what kind of image you want to project to those who are coming into the space. So Rob, I hope that helped. Well guys, it has been an awesome summer and I can't wait to launch into fall with you all. Keep those questions coming at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. Bye.